Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast. Here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buker. Rick Buker. Welcome to another coronavirus episode of Buker and Friends, part of the United WeCast Network. I'm Rick Buker. You can see me on FS1, you could read me on Bleacher Report, and you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buker and on Instagram at Rick underscore Buker. It is my pleasure to bring you part two of my conversation with NBA vet and Philadelphia 76ers TV broadcaster, Ala Abdelnabi. Enjoy. So you were in uh, Portland for a couple of years. Then the travelogue began, right? You were dealt to Milwaukee. Yep. And again, another unique situation. Like, I don't know how many guys of your vintage got to play with Moses Malone. Like one of the, right? And and a, and a weird Milwaukee team, and you were not you were there for a very short time, like two but months. Got, but got to experience like Moses Malone, and then you know a really young team on the other hand. Like it seemed like they had a lot of rookies, right? We had Todd Day, Lee May, Lee Mayberry, but we also had Alvin Robertson, uh, John Trent. Barry, I think, right? No, he he was gone. Oh, that's right, because he didn't want to be there. Right, but he was gone, and then. Um, Frank Brickowski, remember yes. Brick? Yeah. Oh my God. What talk we about had character? Brad, Brad Lowhouse. Yep. Uh, yep. Anthony Avent and Eric Murdoch. Alvin Robertson. Didn't Alvin he choke, Robertson. He choked uh, the GM there at one point, right? Were you, you? That wasn't during your time. I was gone. I was yeah. gone. But I can see how he would do Billy something. Mc, I think it was Billy McKinney. Billy McKinney was the GM, and <laughs> and Don Levy was the coach. Oh. We, it was a cast, and, and, and the thing I remember most is besides it being 10 degrees in October. Yeah. You walked into first day camp, it was 10 degrees, man. I, I've never seen such cold. It was crazy. Huh. That's the first thing. Second thing is Big Mo was going through a divorce at the time. Okay. So he would miss the morning practice, but come to the night one after spending a whole day in court. And the stories he had, man. I mean, and, and I can't do a great Moses, but I could definitely do a little bit of what you talk. You know, just and he would he would come in and just vent and talk about like, why is my kid need six hundred dollars shoes? You know, he doesn't need gator shoes. It's all for her. And he, I mean, we would we would poke the bear a little to get him to go. And poor guy, I mean, because I mean, I just I've been divorced. Divorces are traumatic, and sure. he was. Sure. He felt like he was, you know, going through some things. Yeah. <laughs> so I just remember 
not living. It wasn't Schadenfreude. It wasn't that I was wishing ill on him or enjoying people's illness. It was just he would come and make it so funny later. Yeah. yeah. You know, like like if he if he didn't lighten it up, we wouldn't have brought it up. Right. Because it's like Mo. Like you don't make Mo angry. Right. You're like, you don't speak to Mo about certain things until he brings it up. Right. But and then he you would... just kind of like tease it out of him because you knew yeah, you were going to get some yeah. great stuff. You knew he wanted to talk. You yeah. knew he wanted to. But again, like you said, like that's Moses Malone. Like that's one of the dudes, you know, that were icons to me, unapproachable. And yeah, those those moments happened a lot. Yeah. Um, in Portland, you know, I sat next to Ainge for two years in the locker room, on the plane, in buses. He was in my ear constantly. Hmm. And I don't think I ever like I don't think I ever acted like it bothered me because it it was mind blowing to me that he even knew who I was and would take the time to talk to me. And all of it was always positive and always like worth good advice, like stuff you should actually take in. Yeah. Um because he was just a good guy. Like Danny lived a good life. He didn't I don't think he's ever like cheated on his wife or done anything wrong to his kids, you know what I mean? Or his church community or, you know, he's just a stand up guy. So mm. be situated physically next to him for two years. Like, I just think someone was smiling on me. Yeah. Um, Did, and then on top of that, out, you ever figure out how he got the phone number? No, no. no. And I asked and he wouldn't tell me like I had my ways, you know, you yeah. try to be loose to me, but Sounds I think like he made office, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to overthink it. Right. So I do maybe call in the office. But the fact that he went to look for my number, that's enough for me. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I don't care how he got it. The fact that he was interested. What do you what do you what do you think now when you see him as a GM and 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 you think about him knowing him the way you did. Right. And you think now he runs a team like what's what what comes to your mind or when you hear stories about moves they're going to make or things that Danny has done. Like, I'm sure that that you see it in a different light than a lot of people do. Well, I, I, first of all, he's smart. He's savvy. He's got a feel. Um, his instincts are incredible. He's competitive. Um, but I also think about, because I did sit next to him for two years, like, is anybody else in that meeting getting a word in edgewise? Because like me, <laughs> Danny can be quite verbose, especially when you get him on something that he feels strongly about. Yeah. Um, so I'm always curious about that dynamic in the meetings. Does anyone like do they have to raise their hand? Do they have to, you know, just to get them to stop a little? But that being said, um, I just remember things that stood out to me um, that were true that he would tell me at the time that I didn't fathom or I couldn't process. Uh, there was a great story. Our last regular season, a uh, preseason game in Indiana, we're playing at Old Market Square, and. I had like a really good game. I think I made like 24, 25 points or something like that. And again, um, it's just a good feeling to have going into the regular season. As it starts, I know it's not the end all be all, but I come in the locker room after the game. And again, Ainge's locker is right next to mine. And there's, you know, the, the huddle of you guys that want to talk to me. And Ainge just <laughs> out of the blue says, hey, Clyde, they still don't keep records of the preseason stats, do they? <laughs> and he goes, nope. He goes, so in other words, none of this matters, right? He goes, yep. <laughs> and Danny turns and he looks at all of the reporters and goes, have fun writing that. Uh, and just 
I mean, I'm getting goosebumps now, I'm telling you, because I remember being so mad at him. Yeah. Like, dude, don't rain on my parade right, right, right now. Right. You know what I mean? I'm feeling pretty good. Like, I, I remember dunking on Rick Smiths. Like, like right. things in that game, like, stand out. Like, and like, come on, dude. And he was right. Yeah. Because, like, even if you did play well, like, the, the NBA is all about the next game. It's yep. all about, like, yep. you know, if you had 40, you still got to play well. If you had four, you still got to play well. Yep. And that was what he was trying to say. But by also giving me some some tough times, it was hilarious. That's what I that's what I was grateful about having those guys around. What was your that you so you were in Milwaukee for for a heartbeat and then went uh, uh, to Boston. To, what what's that? Boston. Yes, you were in Boston, um, yeah. and then you were there for for the rest of that season and the next season. If that yeah. that's correct. Correct. Yeah, correct. It, it was for me. It was. The opportunity presented itself when Ed Pinkney uh, blew out his knee. So he gets ACL, and they need another power forward. And I kind of wasn't – I don't know if it – I don't know what Dunleavy had in mind. It just didn't work out like I think either of us planned at the beginning. Yeah. I didn't like Milwaukee, man. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I'm sorry to anybody from Wisconsin. I'm a desert guy. I'm born in Egypt on June 21st, man. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a heat guy. I'm cold when it's 74. You know what I mean? Like, like that's just how it is. Right. I can't change that. So to say that Milwaukee didn't have good people would be a lie. Right. Milwaukee, has, Milwaukee has great people just like a lot of other places. It's just the weather. But, it just wore me out. Was Milwaukee measurably colder than Boston? Well, so now here's the thing. No. But Boston was three hours from home. Ah, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I could drive home. After living in in Portland and then Milwaukee, down I-95 was yeah. it was worth it yeah. to me. So, sure, it was cold. You know what I mean? Like, I, But it had that added uh, bonus that kind of made up for the other stuff, you know. So, Boston, you get to cross paths with another set of, again, legends – characters xavier mcdaniel uh kevin mchale yep the chief was still playing um, reggie god rest his soul yeah what so what was that what was that experience i mean can, compare the boston situation to i mean I, this is just kind of what's crazy is like so you get the Portland experience, then you get the Milwaukee experience, you get the Boston experience. What at this point? What are you thinking the NBA is? Because it's a kaleidoscope I, I, as far as what, you're, what, what I'm thinking. Seen. You're right. What I'm thinking is that if there's one underlying theme, is that closeness with your teammates directly affects winning. Hmm. That's the one thing I noticed. Like like the Trailblazer team. We weren't like like when we hit the hotels and landed in the city. I couldn't tell you where Clyde and Buck were going to be until I saw him at the game. You know, right. like we weren't that close. I'm not when I say close. I wasn't hanging out with those guys. Terry Porter and I did not barbecue. You know what I mean? Like we just we did, but we all gave of ourselves out on the floor to the point where each one of us noticed it, and we we did it for each other out on the floor. Hmm. And I and I and I saw like. Because it's the same thing Coach K taught to, teaches us in college, you know, the, the togetherness thing. Yeah. But what I saw was not everyone had it. Huh. Um, was Drazen Petrovic there too? 
He was. Draz was there, man. And we were there together, not playing together. Wow. And yeah, we consoled each other. And the funny thing about it, Rick, is when we were in college in 88, we had gone, I don't know how Coach K set this up, but we had a pre-Olympic tournament set up in Greece and Spain. For three weeks we were out there, and we played the unified Russian team, the unified Yugoslavian team. Wow. And Drazen was there. So we go have a banquet before the tournament just to kind of celebrate and give the, uh, the tournament some publicity. It was situated in a hotel, and we were up on top of the roof of the hotel that had a pool. So we're at the – that's where the reception is. I hear noise uh, buzzing all night long coming from somewhere, and I, and I, and I finally ask, like, where's that noise coming from? And they say the stairwell. I'm like, the stairwell? So I go to the stairwell. Rick, 11 floors down with a spiral staircase is just full of people. Like, it must have been 2,000 people on the stairway. Hmm. And all they were waiting for was to hear, because no one could see Drazen yeah. on the stairway, just to hear that he came out of the elevator and came upstairs. To, because when he walked out, that's when everybody, no, they didn't react for anybody else. There were eight other teams in the tournament. They didn't react for they didn't react for Kukoc that way. They didn't react for uh, Dino that way. Just Drazen. Wow. So I, rem I used to tell him about that. When we would sit in Portland on the bench, not playing. Wow. Say, none of these dudes know. None yeah. of them know how big you are, man. You're the king of Zagreb. And I would just try to, you know, pump him up. And then to see him later, me in Boston playing and him in New Jersey playing, that was satisfying for both of us. Now, if I remember correctly, the story I heard was there was a time where Drazen was supposed to go in for Clyde. And Clyde was not going to come out for Drazen. Like, he just wasn't going to leave the court. He was like, no, no, that, no, you're not subbing in might, for me. And I think Terry, have, Terry Porter actually like took mercy on Draz because it, now it's awkward, right? Draz is standing up there. Right. Nobody's leaving the court. And Terry finally walked off so he could check into the game. But there was very much, I mean, I think this, this has kind of shifted because um, you were a first-round pick. Um, and Drazen obviously was – was renowned as a, as a player. It might have been over there, but but the pecking Still. order was different. Like we had, we got young guys who come in now, and they rule the locker room in many teams. That wasn't the case then. What's <laughs> not at all? Not at all. And draws again because of the background um, that he had that I got to witness. It's different if someone tells you, "Hey, man, this guy." in another part of the world is big time. But Rick, I saw it. Like it was, it was, he was God over there. And we're talking about in countries like Spain and Greece um, that weren't basketball, especially back in 1988, pre the dream team, that weren't basketball frenzied. But he was on a whole nother level. And I think to an extent, I think his fame his legend, if you will, mm. I think hurt him here because you'd still go to games in arenas where he wouldn't play and there'd still be a collection of people rooting for him and would want to meet him after the game because he was Drazen Petrovic. It yeah. didn't matter to them. Yeah. You know, he yeah. Was, yeah, he was in life. Um, and we went through some hard times. So, yeah, I remember many a times during the middle of the game, I'm wearing a Celtic green and he would do something great in the red, white, and blue of the Nets. And I would be like, 
it's about time. You know what I mean? Like it's about time you're showing people what you can do, you know? And yeah, we, we were close. So to hear what happened to him, craziness, just craziness. Well, and that's the thing, you know, I mean, both of us um, are, are older now and obviously with the, with what's going on in the country now and the world in terms of people being worried about older people in particular, but just in general, like losing people. And I think about Jerome Kersey and uh, and Kevin Duckworth and Drazen and, you know, like now we just uh, we're recording this and they just announced that Kobe's going straight into the Hall of Fame. And I knew I knew Kobe really well. And it's actually it was. It's a sad reminder that he's not here. I'm still like. I still have numbers in my phone of people like of Flip Saunders. I mean, I could go down the line, the number of people that I have that are still on my phone that I just haven't, I just can't bring myself to erase their numbers. And that's, that's the, it, it makes all this kind of bittersweet to think about these people that we got to know through the NBA and got to know in a very unique way above and beyond just being athletes. And they're not here. And I, there's times where I feel incredibly grateful and blessed and lucky that that I am because you know there but for the grace of God go I it's it like I don't get to make that choice absolutely um, not and absolutely so, not there's times yeah we have the survivor's remorse is normal at times yeah you know when you say the guy was 41 years old I would have been curious to see what the rest of his life would have looked like yeah um, and so yeah just uh yeah, and 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 the the crazy part is not crazy. It's sad, is that I fear we will, from what's going on now, lose some other people. Yeah. Um, yeah. That we Bill Withers died the other day. I was just so glad it wasn't from coronavirus because that would have hurt just as much more. I think. Hundred um, percent. You know. Um, yeah. So that kind of stuff. You know. I think we're gonna have to brace ourselves for some more sadness in the in the immediate future. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, I got to ask you real quick. Uh, so you played with Buck Williams. You played with Xavier McDaniel. Both in my mind, like the ultimate <laughs> tough guy. <laughs> How, how do when, you rank? It went in two different ways. Yes. Buck, quiet. Yes. X was in your face. Yes. But, <laughs> physi- I, I, but physically, I just think of them both as like human torpedoes. You know, you just. I still have scars. <laughs> this one right here. I don't know if you can see it, but that's a scar from X-Men right there. And back in the day, it literally went this way and this way like an X. And I used to say to him, you meant to do that. He would be so proud. What but did, what did he do? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Okay. I, I get there. He gets. Tra- I get traded from uh, Milwaukee for John Barry. So that's why he was in, in Milwaukee when gotcha. I was there. He was in. Um, and when I get there, they had kind of because Eddie had been out for like a week, maybe seven to ten days. So they had a makeshift lineup, and X was the foreman. 
and they made Kevin Gamble, we called him Oscar, um, after the old 1970 Yankee player. Remember Oscar Gamble? Yep. Um, yeah, so we used to call we Kevin was the three, Reggie was the two, Sherm or D were the what was the one, and X became the four. So when I get to uh, Boston, X had solidified in a short time the four spot for himself. He normally played the three, but Kevin Gamble was playing the three and playing it well. So Chris Ford, the coach at the time, put an exit four. Reggie was the two. D. Brown or Sherm Douglas was the one. And, of course, Chief the five. So when I get there, X has been playing the, the four spot for about a week, ten days or so. And I, I, I don't remember if he's had good success, but I think bottom line was this was his last chance to start. You know, like the younger Kevin Gamble was kind of eking him out of his three spot. So this was him trying to just make the most of a situation. And then here I come in, traded to presumably play the four spot. I don't think he appreciated that at all. And he let me know it. We fought Rick every day for a month. For a month, like to the point where practice just stops and me and him are just going. Really? Really. And to the point, Rick, where dudes would roll their eyes like, oh, here we go again. needs to because I wanted it. That's why I came. You know, and and Dave Gavitt, uh, God rest his soul, he told me like, you know, if if this is yours to have, you just got to go out there and show everybody that you can you earn it and then you can produce. So go. And so I was – I'd never heard that before in, in the league where like, hey, man, this could possibly be yours. Go make the most of it. That's all you want to hear as a player. Mm-hmm. Who's in my way? This six foot seven, hard-headed dude who just isn't going to give an inch. Like it would have been different against anybody else in the league. Yeah. Yeah. But X was X because of his head. Yep. Like his body at that time may have been falling apart, but his mind wasn't. So he was still going to give it to you hmm. before you before he just I, I should say you you would have to get it from him before he gave it to you. Yeah. And but I will say this though, we're cool as heck to this day because I think he had to I had to he had to gain my respect or I had to really gain his. Yeah. yeah. He was X-Man, I was nobody. And who's this nobody coming in with a funny name who wants my spot? Let's see how bad he wants it. Yeah. And I respect that. And I respect at the time was like, I kind of knew what he was doing, but I kind of also just thought he was being, you know, uh, you know, the words, he's an a-hole about it. Yeah. But come to know later when you mature that he wasn't going to give up his spot easily and nor would I have. Right. So, okay. So you go from Boston. I don't know if you have any Chief or McHale stories. If you do, if there's anything that ju- immediately jumps in mind. tons of them. You asked me earlier, were there, was there anybody that I would was excited to work with or look forward to kind of like absorbing things off of? Yeah. McHale was it for me, man. Like, really? McHale, yeah. But like, I used to watch videos on McHale in college because as a former big guy who prided himself on having some decent footwork and balance – he was the ultimate. He is the Mount Olympus of post moves. Sure. And so I just remember thinking like I was on my way to Boston, like thinking of all the things that are going to happen. And then like along the way, like no, Larry Bird's gone. But Chief Kevin McHale, like it just hit me like Kevin. And then I remember from the first practice on, like feeling him out. 
because like you 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 go through practice, you're doing your thing through practice, and if he's up against you, you try to score on him. If he's trying to score on you, you stop him. But then after practice, the individual stuff, you, it's hard to do post moves by yourself. Like I can go work on my jumper, right. go work on free throws with that. But post moves, you need a defender. Yep. So how do I go ask Kevin McHale, who's been in the league for a million years and who's seen and done it all, to come and take a little like don't go home just yet, Kev. Come and work out with this nobody. Right. And to my surprise, he was readily available every time I asked. Huh. So here I am. We used, to, we used to play knockout. So it's basically if you score, you keep it. If you don't, another defender comes. By the end of it, we'd get so worked up. Like Chief would be in it. X would be in it. Like it was a, a whole team. Joe Klein would come in it. And I just remember thinking like, all right, this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Like, you know, like he's passing, you know, Yoda's passing things on. I'm not walking out of the gym early. I'm going to stay there as long as he's willing to stay there. Um, but I, I think if in retrospect, the biggest thing I had, the big, the best thing I could say about Boston was unlike a lot of other teams, unlike probably most teams, it was a family. It was a brotherhood. Hmm. Um, I would hear from John Havlicek. I would hear from Sam Jones. I would hear from Bill Russell hmm. um, that, you know, and this isn't knocking other teams because I would hear from Bill Walton. I would hear from Maurice Lucas, but not every team does that. And I think that, that, that feeling of brotherhood, they used to call each other brother. Like, I've never had any other team do that, but Mikhail would call me brother. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> like, this is Kevin Mikhail. Um, but Reggie Lewis, Reggie Lewis was what we used to call each other road dogs in the best sense in that we like on the road, Bags would hit the the room floor, and one of us is on the phone to the other one. Hmm. Road dog, what are we doing? And it, it wasn't like about partying. Like I, I remember the first time he took me out in Boston, we went to the symphony <laughs> and we met John Williams. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like wow. the Boston cops. And I'm going, you're not an ordinary dude, man. This is, but I loved it. You know what I mean? And, and and I think he realized that I wasn't an ordinary dude who because I loved being there. Um, yeah, I had braces at the time. He took me to his dentist. Um, and yeah, like we just we looked out for one another. Um, he would come to me in the middle of the ball games and say, you haven't touched it in a while. Where do you want it? You know, just things like wow. the captain of the Celtics. You know what I mean? Coming to me and say, listen, and noticing that I haven't touched it in a while. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, man. Yeah, and and as much as I love playing with them off on the court, I really did. I miss those times. Like I remember being in Chicago, and like trying to beat him to the call. You know what I mean? Because he would always be the first. And I'm like, and 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 he beat me again. And I would just be like, God damn it, road dog. Where, all right, where are we going? And I remember we went to some steakhouse or something. Like harmless stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then that's what really drove me crazy about hearing all the stuff surrounding his death about the drugs and everything. I could tell you firsthand, I was around him every day all the time. I never saw any of that nonsense. Yeah. So Gilbert Mudge and all those doctors that were trying to badmouth Reggie, um, yeah, that was tough times for me because I knew better. Hmm. That's good stuff. Uh, so with all that in mind, how hard was it for you to go from Boston to Sacramento, because now you're going back to the other coast. Um, trying to think, that wasn't 
obviously different level of success. You were sure. on a playoff team in Boston. Sacramento wasn't that. Uh, but again, interesting characters. You got a spud. <laughs> you got a spud web. You got an olden yeah. Polynesian. You got a rookie Richmond. Brian Grant, right? Uh, yep. We had, we had Michael Williams, who was a rookie as well, out of Providence, the animal. We had Mitch Richmond. Yep. Um, we had Lionel Simmons, Dwayne Coswell. Bobby Hurley. <laughs> Bobby Hurley. After the accident, the year after his accident, um, I didn't recognize him, knowing him my whole life. When I saw him in training camp, I was like, wow, you're – I wonder why you're not – you don't look – you're not playing the same because you don't look the same. Huh. He had a scar – that ran all the way alongside of his hairline. And it, it was like a mask. It just fell off during the accident. And they had to so Plus, he was face first in the water with his face torn off. So Mike Poplowski saved his life because he wasn't breathing. So Mike takes him out of the water just so he can breathe. And then his face just kind of rolls off. Can you imagine? I can't. And he's 5'10 on a good day. It's 165. Been, yeah. And especially now to see him coaching and doing everything he's doing. Like, when you're coming back from that, right? Yeah. Oh, he's a madman. Well, he's never – he's his dad. He's never yeah. changed. Yeah. <laughs> he's, you know, he's intense. So, Brian Grant was telling me um, about – and th- th- this was like – he goes – he actually – he loved that Sacramento team because he said there was – he goes, when we were on the ro- – like, we're throwing dice in the hotel, like – hallway and he goes like bobby hurley would be right there and i was oh, like yeah. bobby Hur- a, really bob is a degenerate gambler <laughs> no 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 bob is a i know this for a fact because i've known him since he was nine yeah but i remember we played the king no we played the sixers okay um when we're both in sacramento we're making the east coast trip we're in philly and then we have a day off in between and then we're playing either the knicks or the nets the following day so we have a day off, and we're on the East Coast. So Bobby says to me, hey, man, you want to go home? And I'm like, hell yeah, I want to go home. I'm way ahead of you. I got a limo. So we're going to just drop off. You know, We're going to jump in from uh, the old uh, spectrum. Right. We're not going to go back to the hotel or the team. We're going straight up the turnpike and going home. So Bobby lives a little further east, Jersey City. He's on west. So what I said was, hey, listen, you want me to drop you off before or after? He goes, no, drop me off after because I'm headed to the casino. <laughs> and I go, <clears throat> wait, wait, wait. You're not going home? You said you're going home. That's what you said to me. Hey, do you want to go home? He goes, well, my home's a little different than yours. I go, what are you going to He goes, he spent the, those next two nights, the night we were in Philly leaving, and then the next night in Connecticut up at the casino. Oh, my God. My home's a little different than your home. <laughs> That's what he sounded like. What do you mean, dude? I thought you said home. Like I, I, I didn't know. You. So I, so then I get the bill later because the car was mine. Yeah. He went all the way to Bunkersville for like an extra three hundred bucks. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He was, but that team was unique. Randy Brown was on that team, and I remember. Um, yeah, we used to order um, beers. He's not going to like me saying that he won't mind. We used to order beers from the road. So let's say we were in L.A. and then we're going to play in San Francisco the next night, but we're flying out right after the game. So we'd be in front of the sports arena 
And I think we might have actually done this in front of the sports arena, if I recall. And we're calling the hotel that we're going to fly to and asking them to put beers and set up the video games for us. Because you're you getting late, right? So you need to get it. Before late. We're, things are shut down. And we're just before everything closes. And we get there, the video games are set up. There's a bathtub full of beers. And me, Randy, I think it was Walt Williams. I, I think we played till 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning. You know, just stuff like that. That was that was a cool team. That was a cool team. Um, but yeah, there was no denying Brian from the start was 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 special. So what was uh, remind me? You you finished up that season in Philadelphia. I did. What happened, Rick, was I, by the end of the season in Sacramento, I had rolled my ankle so many times that it was just it, it was arduous just to be able to get out and play. Like I, I, I had so many loose bone spurs in my foot moving around that joint that every step hurt. So what happened was I, I Jeff Petrie was the GM at the time who had drafted me in Portland. So Jeff and I were really cool. And I just said to him, listen, man, I don't know what you plan on. Because what happened was all season long, um, Doug Lee was there. Henry Turner was there. And these guys were all fighting for the spot. Are they going to keep six big guys? Are they going to keep an extra shooting guard? So – I said to him, listen, you got enough big guys. I don't know if I can do this, man. You know, I, I, I don't think I can move, like, let alone run and play and cut and stop. And so he kind of let me go. He was like, listen, we'll just let you know, we'll let you go. So I'm like, okay, thank you. Hmm. And so, so <laughs> excuse me, he lets me go. And I'm in Sacramento and I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to get my foot looked at, my ankle, and I'm going to get surgery. And then I'll head back home after it heals. I don't want to like get surgery and then fly. Yeah. So I'll, you know, I've got my place. Everything's paid for. It, so I'll stay here for a little bit until Lucas called me, John Luke, and he's like, "Big fella, I need you." I go, Luke. The reason why I'm not playing now, man, is because my right leg is it's no good. Hmm. He's like, "Oh, listen, man, we got doctors out here." I go, "We got doctors out here too, man." Like I've been, I've been seeing these guys. Eric Hyden was the was the team doctor for Sacramento. Do you know Eric Hyden, the gold medalist, the yeah, skater? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was our team doctor. So, like, I'm figuring I'm seeing him all the time. Like, what can you do in Philadelphia that they can't do here? And he just wouldn't take no for an answer. So he said, listen, man, my young team really needs you. It's a great way for you to come home. You know, we'll make sure that we facilitate. You can have your surgery here with the team doctor here. Hmm. I go, all right, man, as long as you promise – you know, having a surgery in Philadelphia is even better than Sacramento. It's closer. Huh. And so I went and sure enough, rolled my ankle one more time. And that was the end of it. Like even into those two 10 days, I didn't finish the two 10 days. I got hurt in Charlotte. I remember we were playing it in Charlotte. And yeah, that was the last NBA game I played. Hmm. So finally, we get to the point where the Warriors... You come back the next year. You were in training camp with them, right? I was. And Rick Adelman was the head coach. What's that? Rick Adelman was the head coach. That's right. Um, my head coach in original. Portland. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So from my former GM to my former coach. Yeah. Um, and I kind of I, I was straightforward with him. By then, Rick, I had gotten a little disillusioned by the league. Um. It, it, all I wanted to do was play. Yeah, I was making enough money that made me happy. In other words, I didn't run out of money. 
So it wasn't that. It was how could you still be making all this money and be and not be happy? Hmm. And what is it going to take to make you happy? And for me, I just I'm not getting any younger. Um, it seemed like I had very little effect on whether or not I played or not. It was up to other people's whims, other people's agendas, yeah. you know, I, whatever, whatever. It just, it, and I'm not an excuse guy. No, 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 but, um, but, but that is the difficulty. Like, yeah, that's the difficulty yeah. I think people have, or or the, the I don't know, the, the coming to Jesus for, for guys in the league, which is, like, you can bust your ass, you can do all the right things, you still may not play. Like, yeah, yeah. And there may be another guy who's not necessarily doing all the right things. And then things. The, playing in Portland, not playing in Sacramento, um, was tough. You know, but again, you could say, well, God, Brian Grant and, and Michael Williams were there yeah. um, with Olden Polonese and and uh, and Dwayne Coswell and some other guys. They weren't bums there. Um, but I think after Boston not wanting to sign me and forcing me to go to Sacramento and in my mind, I got hurt playing for them twice um, and then not wanting to sign me really kind of just. Uh, it was cold blooded. It was ruthless, and it made me look at it that way too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I get it. Yeah, but it, it didn't soften the blow any back then. Sure. So up until uh, from that moment on, Rick, it was, what do I want, and how do I get it? And what I wanted was to be happy, and playing hmm. was going to make me happy. Hmm. And how hmm. do I get it? Go somewhere else. Yeah. Go somewhere where well, they'll appreciate you. Go yeah. somewhere. And being a guy who was born elsewhere, speaks a bunch of languages, I was more open to going elsewhere than I think most were. I mean, I still kind of, at times, I would struggle with it. Um, you know, it's kind of a demotion. You know, you're going down. But at the, at the same time, I had a blast. <laughs> like, I, I had a blast. Or just Europe in general. Yeah. Like, it wasn't perfect. You know, I mean, like you, there are things that the NBA has that, that the Europe doesn't have, but at the same time, it was still basketball. You were appreciated. Greece was a basketball first country, which I didn't know about until I got there. Hmm. So they're mad about it and follow your every step. Um, so it was a nice uh, landing for me. And then the Greek culture across the Mediterranean from where I'm from in Egypt, I would take it over to Alexandria, whatever I wanted to. It was, it had a lot of positives. Um, and, it, and I was all of a sudden happy again. Yeah. I always felt like, um, because I, I, so I'm first generation American. My first mm -hmm. language was German. Um, my parents took me over overseas a lot when I was, when I was really young. And I've often felt like that shape the way I see the world um, and my the the my adventurous spirit in terms of I want to experience new things and I feel as if you have that same that that same thing which is why like I felt you know there's there's some guys that you want to have you want to talk about their journey through the NBA and they'd look at it and go well dude like what you want to talk about like all the different places I've didn't play and who I played with and like their ego would get involved. But right, 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 I, right. I just kind of knew that you like would appreciate 
the experience that you had being in the NBA and seeing like, like in, in, in retrospect, you got to experience so much in a relatively short period of time because of all that movement and no question. And, 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 and be conscious of that and be willing to share those stories, which are just like, this is, this has been gold for me. It just, I'm going to leave you with one last joke. One last story. Okay. It is a joke. And it was on bloopers, like like the, the the old blooper show. Because I remember watching it on TV one time. And I'm gonna leave it up to you to research and dig it up. Okay. But it was an old time blooper show, 1992. After a, uh, the regular season's over, we're at a home game and post game in the locker room. A bunch of guys identify themselves as being from a production company, and they're they do blooper shows. Now we had seen up until until that time blooper shows. We knew the concept, the premise the gist of it, if you will. Um, and I thought they were going to come to me with like a fully ready script and all I had to do was play the role and kind of just carry out what their intentions were. But they flipped it on me and said, no, we want you to come up with the premise. like, And we want you to play a joke on your teammates. Now, I'm a second-year guy. Like, I'm, I'm not that well-established. I'm part of the rotation now. I'm playing every night my second year. But I'm not like that. I'm, I'm, I don't have to carry that kind of sway where I can rub someone the wrong way and recover from it. <laughs> so I have to think, like, well, first of all, what could I do? And what could I do directly is involved with who am I going to do it to? Like, you have to, like – make sure it's something that person buys, believes. Right. So, and I swear this exists, Rick. I'm not making this up. So what we came up with, me and Danny Ainge were going to pretend that we went in on a horse and we were going to ask Jerome to come in on the horse with us. And it was out in front of Memorial Coliseum. We had cameras rigged and like horse carts and in the ticket office. It was well executed. Um, and somewhere along the line, we were going to tell Jerome without him knowing that we already committed him to $50,000. We spoke to his agent and the money's being moved. Because we knew his agent. We were friends with his agent. So it was a believable thing. Like, if you would have told me you went to my agent, I would believe you. But we knew his agent because he lived in Seattle and would come to games all the time. And we'd be out hanging out together. So after that, we were going to calm him down. Because you know he's going to lose his mind. We were going to calm him down by showing him where the money was going to go to. Okay. And then we were going to bring out the horse. Rick, this horse, first of all, had one eye. And Ainge, Ainge said to him, and I'll never forget this. When I see him to this day, I still say it to him. He said, Jerome, that's great so we can focus on the rail. <laughs> and, and we're sitting there and we're trying not to break character. And just because... Again, it's I'm the second year guy. Angel's in his tenth year. Just out of habit, Jerome comes after me. Like he's starting to up, backing up, you know. And then finally, we have to because now it's going to get physical. We had to tell him, like, look at that camera over there, and look at that camera over there. You've been, you know, a victim of like funniest blue, and we got him hook, line, and sinker, Rick. Um, 
Yeah, that was that was a, oh. that was a gem. If you see, if you see Ainge, yeah. just to verify, ask him. I will say, hey, did you and Allah ever try to get Jerome Kersey to buy a nag? Yeah, and yeah. just let him go. Yeah. Just let him that, go. I'm gonna go, Danny. Tell me about the one-eyed horse. Yeah, well, well, with Jerome and Allah, you gotta get a little more yeah, context because yeah, yeah. he's probably done it with horses later on in his life. <laughs> <and> other- right. <laughs> <laughs> probably sold a few other bad ones. <laughs> No, no, but doubt. just tell him out in front of Memorial Coliseum. And then I, I remember, like, never hearing anything about it. And then one day, like, I was just home in Jersey, and it was on. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to find, yeah, I'm I'm gonna find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, a, yeah, TV's Blueprints and Practical Jokes, maybe. Yeah. Or whatever the show. But it was definitely on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the beauty of your, it was like when I was hooking up with you, and I was like, give me your handle. You go. It's my name. I'm like, yeah, there's probably not a whole lot of Allah Abdul Nabi out there. I, <laughs> and there's not a lot who want to be either, bro. <laughs> well, listen, this we've gone a lot longer than I expected, but it's oh, been good, such a pleasure. Uh, it's great to see you. It's great to see you in, in good spirits. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, Rick. Always um, good. When we get back to regular business, uh, we are we're going to get together. We will, uh, we'll, uh, we'll chop it up. We'll go get dinner. Um, and we'll continue this. So show me your watch. What you got on, man, dude, uh, right now I will show yeah. you. Nice. It's there a, you go. So nice. it's a, it's you know? a, this is a Detroit, you know, these, the Shinola. Yeah. yeah. I fell in love with these. I could break out some other watches actually became, become my thing now. That's nice. the one Excellent. thing. Excellent. I collect. Excellent. Um, Excellent. So, Excellent. Next time I see you, bring another one. I will. Promise. All right. Promise. All the best, Rick. Stay safe and take good care. You do the same. Thank you, Thank Allah. You. Thank right. you, man. The best. Peace. 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 Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.